So, how many of you did have a chance to watch the first episode of A.D.? Hey, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good showing. Thanks for doing that. So, I just want to take a few minutes to hear your thoughts. I mean, did something grab you? Did something stand out? Did something, you know, draw you into question? That kind of deal. Yes, this is church, but this is not a spectator church. So, this is open classroom, interaction time. You're good to go. I won't even make you say your name. Just let me know some of your thoughts. What was the buzz? Good, bad, whatever, from uh, watching the episode last week. Well, I think the violence reminds you how, how tragic the situation was. It really portrayed the violence. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is through the years, Sunday school or niceties distance. We like to make it the nice little story, but there, there was some intensity, some ugliness going on. Yep. Good. Other thoughts? Robert. Yeah, they didn't mess it up, right? Sometimes it wasn't a Noah kind of movie, right? Yeah, 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 that's true, right? I mean, even even when even when the angel of the Lord comes piercing out of the sky, I mean, it's pretty dramatic. You're like, well, wait a second. Did that really? Well, an angel of the Lord came and rolled away the stone. Well, a sword. Yeah, there you go. Right. So you're like, we're on the winning side. Yeah. God has special effects. Yeah. <laughs> Something else to grab your thing you were thinking about. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Yeah. And you know, I had the chance to watch that at Saddleback with it just going 40 minutes straight. And um, the intensity of that even built more. When you have it broken up with commercials, I'm almost wanting to like. Uh, DVR, you know, and and then just watch it straight through so it doesn't break it, but it does. It had you coming back wanting more. The what do you mean? Was good actress. The mother was very good. You identified with Mother Mary. Right. Good. Yeah, she was very good. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the beauties of what they did with this series was, you know, you can't cover all the content. And that's usually where Bible movies or things mess up. They try to get everything packaged in. But it develops the characters. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to walking through the 12 weeks is just the development of the characters. And us, whether, you know, and you're embellishing some there, of course, but you're trying to identify with them. So, you know, there's Peter. You know, and there's Caiaphas, and there's Pilate, and they did those flashbacks, right? We had the video clip actually here last week. You know, stuff was going through their minds that night. Yes. I think that Pilate played a much worse role than in this movie. Yeah. Pilate was a politician. Yeah, that's right. He was a politician. He was looking at that from a political point of view. He was. They're always trying to save their own deal. Someone in the back. I saw someone over here. Go ahead. Well, off, just going off a little bit, I thoroughly enjoyed the pre-show from Dateline, and especially seeing our own Terry and his son on TV. Did, did any of you guys watch Dateline beforehand? 
Okay, you can go online. Thank you, Diane, for bringing it up. I'm sitting there watching Dateline, and they're interviewing um, Roman and Mark about it and talking about the film and, and the development of it and those kinds of things and that they're really pulling in churches to do it. Well, me and my two sons, uh, we had the chance to go to Saddleback with a pastor's appreciation day, and they showed this viewing of it. I'm sitting right on the aisle, me and Ryan and Zach. I had no idea it was there. So I'm just watching the Dateline, and all of a sudden, Here's the full screen shot of me and Ryan and Zach worshiping the Lord. I'm like, and I don't know where my rest of my family was. They were tuned down or something. I just yelled, I'm on TV! <laughs> Isn't that funny? But if you want to go, and I, I think uh, if you do um, Dateline on the NBC website, you can actually watch it on video. So. I mean, it's no big deal. It's just a few, a few clips. But I just, proof, I was there watching the whole thing. I wasn't pulling your leg, right? So, yeah. Well, how'd you look with no makeup on? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I look pretty good. <laughs> I might shut this open thing down real quick. Okay. Uh, yeah. I really thought they portrayed the apostles agony and fear really well. Yeah. Yeah, and we're going to look at some of that today. It's like what was really going on in their hearts and minds in this whole time. A couple more. Frank. Again, the, the apostles are what got me. I, I, just, I was struck by the uncertainty and the fear after what they saw. I was just, all the miracles they witnessed, I mean, everything he did, mm-hmm. and yet they were still fearful and scared and lacking in faith. And I was just blown down. That, that took me back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Portray. Yeah, sure. Jonathan. you'll see that there, you know, there's different levels, different personalities and dimensions, and it's good. All right, anyone else want to jump in? I'm all right. In my opinion, in this moment, it's just a miracle, the connection with God. The connection with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's true. Well, that's a good segue. Let's pray. Lord, many times it's hard for us two year, 2,000 years after your death and resurrection, to fully comprehend the work you've done for us. Lord, last week on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrated a new life through you being raised from the dead. But Lord, that was only the beginning, the beginning of your church, the beginning of a movement of people that literally has spread around the world, millions and hundreds of millions, Lord, of people who are followers of you, Jesus. And we just come here, whether as uh, young followers of you, long-time followers of you, or maybe we're here this morning and we're just seekers. We're trying to put the whole spiritual picture of life together. Um, I just pray, Jesus, that your presence really would minister in these moments as we look into your word, that we would become endeared to you more and more, and that we truly know that you not only are alive because of the resurrection, but that you are alive here in our midst and want to be alive in our hearts. 
So to that end, Lord, bless your time with us. Amen. Here's a clip from tonight's episode. the journey I've made to get back. I was convinced I was being followed. Then I became confused and couldn't remember which was the right street or the right house. It was only when I saw... What? Jesus. I know. No. Thomas. He was here. What? Jesus was just here. In this room. He broke bread with us. Are you playing a sick joke on me because I'm the last to get back? No. So Jesus was here with you all? Yes. What kind of fool do you take me for that I would believe a story like that without proof? What kind of opinion must you have of me to believe I'd be so easily duped? Thomas, it's the truth. Enough! I haven't slept for two nights. I've barely eaten. It was all I could do to come back at home. Thomas, wait. Stop this now! Go to the tomb and see for yourself. See with your own eyes. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in them. Unless I put my hand in the spear wound itself, I will not believe. You think he's dead? And this is finished. What else? The truth. Mary. Go to the tomb. Temple guards are resealing the tomb. Why would they do that? To pretend his body remains inside. Kill any rumors that he's risen. Now do you believe, Thomas? We saw him. Each one of us touched him, sat with him, ate with him, laughed with him. But I did not. How can each of us be mistaken in exactly the same way at exactly the same time? Thomas. You have seen for yourself. You believe. <laughs> Blessed are they who have not seen me and still believe. <laughs> There's not one of us in this room who cannot identify with Thomas. If you can't identify with Thomas, then you're not human. Doubt, disbelief, 
is part of being human. Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. And sometimes I think we heap an awful lot of criticism upon him. But the reality was, he was just the vocal one. Everybody else was equally in doubt. But Jesus, on the heels of the resurrection, appeared to them over a period of 40 days. The disciples at different times, Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary, the men on the road to Emmaus and over 400, Jesus was witnessed as being alive. We would not be here today if that was not a fact. But last week, we were challenged with the whole idea of the reality of the resurrection and the reason for the resurrection and the response to the resurrection. And, you know, part of me today, because it's the series through the study of the book of Acts, I'm like, all right, let's just jump into Acts 1 and let's get at it. My spirit couldn't go there. Especially when I saw this clip for tonight. Because we need to camp on the resurrection again today. Because there is no book of Acts. There is no Christian church. There is no awakening church if it was not for the reality of the resurrection and what the resurrection should be doing in our lives if it isn't doing it already. It did something in those disciples' lives. Changed their life forever. Has the resurrection changed your life forever? Or are you more of just the casual spectator during this time of year. That's nice. Has it changed the trajectory of your life? Every day when we get up, we should be that um, individual who acknowledges the presence of the Lord through His Spirit. Has it happened in your life? Let's look at that passage as recorded in um, that video version there. It's recorded in John chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. This is a week later. I find it interesting how they sort of had to all get collected again, right? Because why? What happened to them? They scattered. And why did they scatter? They were scared, right? So they scattered. But a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with him this time. Though the doors were locked, I like that point, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Guess what? There's another place where your name is in the Bible if you're a follower of Jesus today. Jesus just blessed you if you believe even though you've not seen. Now, I was contemplating this whole issue of belief and seeing, being able to see something Uh, the doubting issues, the whole um, faith issue that's at hand. Because I'm realizing that each one of us are on on our own journey. 
I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands where you're at on a spectrum of 1 to 10 concerning your belief in the resurrection, but each of us would find ourselves on some continuum with that. Even if we're up towards the higher end of things, we might be waffling there sort of one times. Not just with the whole concept of the resurrection, but the reality of God's kingdom and his world that's around us and where everything's going. Because faith has to be developed over the course of time. And I was challenged this week thinking about why do we have to have faith? Why did God use faith as the means to comprehend him? And when we talk about faith, we're not talking about blind faith like, uh, I think I just believe. No. Faith, and you've heard me say it again, I'll say it again. Faith is never irrational. All right? There's a rational part of faith. Historically, you can't get better documentation than the scriptures. The eyewitness accounts of the Gospels, if you studied, there is rational belief from the evidence, historical, authoritative, written evidence concerning the resurrection of Christ. But faith, though it never goes against reason, will go beyond reason. So faith is never irrational, but it is super rational. And why is there that super rational part that we're required to as human beings to grab a hold of in order to get to know God? Why can't we just have Jesus walk in, appear to us like he appeared to Thomas, stand up here, show the palm, show the side, and and we're good to go. Yeah, I got it. Man, we're out of here. But why the 2,000 years? Why the statement? And Jesus knew what was going to be happening once he ascended to the heavens. Because you have seen, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. What's the big deal about faith? Now, if you think I'm going to answer that this morning, I'm not. Because this whole question came to me actually afresh yesterday. Because I was wrestling with faith and doubt and all that's a part of that. Well, I'm studying out in uh, our front yard area, and uh, my kids are out there playing. And uh, my kids are playing, and uh, my uh, 18-year-old son had uh, gone and bought, an, I guess it's called a slack line. Does anybody know what a slack line is in this room? Uh, a few of you. Well, you go get educated today. There's no rock climbers here, I can tell. All right, a couple, three. A slack line. Zach went and bought a slack line, and it's about two inches wide, it's that, and he tied it between two trees. It's 80 foot wide, but it wasn't that distance. And he works out on a slack line because, well, he's a rock climber, and that's one of the things they encourage you to do. And that kind of, It's like a balancing beam. So he's walking on this two-inch red ribbon between two trees. It's tied taut, and he's trying to keep his balance. And, of course, you know, there's a little bit of, hey, Dad, you ought to come try this. I'm like, yeah, right, you know, kind of deal. I did try it. I did try it. I want you to know that. I tried it. I failed miserably. A few falls, even though it was only three feet above the ground. I'm like, that's, that's probably far enough for me to do something to my body. And um, I was uh, asking Zach, I said, Zach, why do you do that? And he says, well, I don't know all the different reasons, Dad, but it's for developing the core. The core what? Well, you know, the muscles down in here. And I'm thinking, all right, so you're trying to develop a six-pack, you know. Some of you might have a six-pack, you know. Some of you have the one-pack. It's, it's just, 
it's just uh, for developing the abdominal muscles because of the balance and all that's going on. But yet you have to walk this slack line. I think there's something almost mystical beyond even what I've tried to comprehend in my life. This faith issue, this doubting and faith issue, you've got to get on it and walk it because as you walk on this slack line of faith, you are developing a core of your existence, of who you are as a Christian and a follower of the Lord. And some people are like, why do I, get on, why do I have to get on that? Why do I have to walk the faith line? I don't fully know why. I don't know why Jesus can't just walk in here and it's done deal, we're good to go, let's follow you, let's head out of here. But for whatever reason, for 2,000 years, he requires faith to be ported in to why you and I need to uh, build the core in coming into relationship with him. Maybe because there's something in the eons of eternity that have to be developed in the bride of Christ, the followers of Christ. Maybe it's for something later on in your life. Have any of you been there before? Where something's happened to you and you say, I could not endure this if I had not gone through that in prior years. You see, God is not about your happiness. He is about your holiness. And he is about developing you into the spiritually strong, um, moral, character-wise, and otherwise, person he desires to display forth his glory. And so all of the life's experiences are moving you in a trajectory to be like Christ. Do you think Jesus had any faith involved when he ascended down to the heavens to come down here on the earth? I think there was. Do you think there was any faith involved when he went to the cross and he said, not my will, but your will be done? I bet there was. And so if we want to be like Jesus, then we have to be people who live by faith. And faith sometimes is following things that are unseen, that are unknown, that we're not quite sure of. So I want to challenge you that you would build your faith. Whether you're a non-follower of Jesus this morning or a follower of Jesus... There is almost as like a virtue, faith, that's needing to be developed in our life as human beings. And so let's get on the slack line and see if we can develop that inner core. I want to put a few thoughts before you related to what the resurrection should be doing in your life if you have faith and belief in the resurrection this morning. From this, the first is this. The resurrection strengthens a disciple's resolve and courage. It strengthens a disciple's resolve and courage. The before and after photos of the disciples are quite stark, are they not? Even in that video clip, you have Thomas who shows up, worn out, hadn't slept two nights, he said, that kind of deal. He's there, he's believed that Jesus has died, and the rest of them are standing around looking at him going, I... Jesus. I know, I know. No, we saw Jesus. The resurrection, the belief, the faith in Jesus' resurrection began to change their inner core. Now, they had some confidence before, but that confidence waned pretty quickly. Have you ever been there? Well, you think you're pretty confident in how you're going to handle a situation. If that handled me, I do this and that. And then the situation happens to you, and what do you do? You just melt. And you walk away and go, well, I, I didn't do that one very well. I was a loser on that one. I thought I was going to do better, but I didn't. 
Well, I'm sure those disciples thought that they had something going for them. They had, they had the potential number one draft pick here from Messiah, man. He's going to show up. He's going to take over the, uh, the Roman kingdom. Yeah, yeah. And then it all headed south from Palm Sunday. And they wilted. And they denied. And they scattered. And they ran in fear. But then, the angel of the Lord rolls the stone away. Word comes back that he's alive. He appears to them. And something happens in their core. And they begin to have a resolve of courage and boldness and commitment that could not be stopped their whole life. To the point that 11 out of the 12 disciples died because of belief in the resurrection as martyrs. Friends, you don't die for something unless you really believe it to be true. Has the resurrection strengthened your resolve and your courage when it comes to your faith, but also to your obedience in following hard after Jesus Christ? Jesus wants the resurrection, to have that kind of impact. You know, it wasn't the first resurrections. There were, there were three little R resurrections recorded in Scripture. There's the resurrection of the widow's son who was raised out of the coffin. There's the resurrection of uh, a man by the name of Jairus and his daughter who Jesus told all the doubters to get out of the room and then he raised her from the dead. And then there was the raising of who? Lazarus who was dead for four days, so the stench and everything, that's really a bad deal. And, and Jesus came and he called Lazarus forth. So he had these little resurrection things going on. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ was of a different trajectory. It was foreshadowed by the other resurrections. But Jesus did not die. So people like Thomas and you and I could live out the rest of our life in doubt and fear. Jesus died and he rose from the dead so that we could believe and live free from doubt and find our way to confidence and strength and resolve in our life. And no matter how numb, how deadbeat you think you are in your faith today, the resurrection, if you focus on it, if you worship the Lord about it, and if you see daily, the one who has been resurrected, you can move from that numbness and that indifference, that deadbeatness, that hopelessness to finding strength in the Lord. You know, Thomas, Thomas, I think, does get a bad rap sometimes. He wasn't this weakling guy, and they didn't portray him as a weakling guy. He had a deep conviction to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, if you went back to the story of Lazarus, in the story of Lazarus, you find this in these scriptures. Lazarus was um, dead for four days. And um, it says this in um, John 11. Then Thomas, that was his Aramaic name. He was also known as Didymus, which was his Greek name. Everybody sort of had two names during that time. Said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, what was happening here, Jesus was beckoned to go back to Jerusalem because he found out Lazarus' friend was dead and he wanted to do something about it. But the last time he was there, he was almost stoned kind of thing. And so they said, don't don't go back to Jerusalem, Jesus, because you're going to get killed. But what does Thomas say? This is Thomas. He says, let us also go 
that we may die with him. Now, does that sound like a wimpy disciple? No, Thomas was not wimpy. Can I say this? You can be a full bore, raven, Jesus fanatic and still have doubt. And it's okay. You're human. You wrestle with it. But here was Thomas with this. And then as things unfolded, you find uh, this recorded then in John. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is to Martha, Lazarus' sister. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then the caption, do you believe this? Thomas's name means twin. Maybe he had a twin. Maybe it because it depicted he had faith and he had doubt and those twins lived together in his soul. But each of us as human beings wrestle with the doubt issues and what stands before us all the time. But never be concerned that your doubt is causing problems with Jesus. Jesus accepted Thomas right where he was at. You did not see on that clip Jesus appearing to Thomas and going, What's your problem, buddy? Here I am. No. He identified with that journey and he said, Here's my hands. Here's my side. Because Jesus was still discipling his disciples. And he knew where they were at and that they needed to be emboldened in their faith and their resolve of what all that was going on. And they were. In fact, look at these verses as we walk through them quickly. Scripture after scripture attests to the power of the resurrection story in the life of the disciples. Acts 4.2. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So just a few chapters later, what are they doing? The resurrection has emboldened them, strengthened them. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. Isn't that cool? And then Romans 6.5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, Paul says, we will certainly also be united with him in in a resurrection like his. Focus on the resurrection. Focus on the resurrection. What did the resurrection do to them? Develop their inner core. Made them stronger. Made them powerful. They went out because of the truth of the resurrection. The resurrected Jesus was now indwelling within them through the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Jesus can change your life and your trajectory as well. Do you believe this? And then I like second core four. Sort of piece together a few verses there beginning with seven, ending with 16. But we have this treasure, this treasure of the truth, our faith, in jars of clay. You may not think of your body as a jar of clay, but Jesus says they're jars of clay. To show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I'm sorry, if you're in your 50s, if you're in your 60s, the slack line is going to be a little bit more of a challenge and you probably aren't going to develop the six-pack. 
your body is wasting away. But I tell you what, whether 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you should be developing a core of strength concerning your faith that outshines the sun. Because that's how God took this human vessel, what his plan is. One day we get redeemed with new bodies, transformed bodies, that live with him forever to rule and reign, to be co-heirs with Christ. This is our destiny. This is the epic story, the kingdom of God. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection like we looked at last week. Then the resurrection when he comes and then the resurrection of the dead of the end times. So as we're growing older, sometimes I think physical health, eating right, all that is very important. But sometimes I wonder as we get older, why such tenacity to keep this broken jar of clay and some semblance of good looks to other people and neglect the interior life of what we need to be coming as Christian believers and followers of our Lord. Power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection, belief in the resurrection, strengthens a disciple's resolve and courage. Secondly, the resurrection deepens a disciple's relationship and bond. A disciple's relationship and bond. I won't take the time to go to the Matthew passage, but in Matthew 28, it talks about the resurrection there. And it gives reference to the women finding the tomb empty and all that's a part of that. Okay. And it comes back and it gives reference in Matthew 28, verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Don't you find... That next word just sort of like really low key or like greetings. Greetings. What do you mean? Greetings. You're alive. You know, you think if you came out of the tomb, you would go, da da. Hey, I'm back. What do you think? Huh? Woo. His mind was not upon himself. His mind is recorded what follows. They came to him clasped his feet and worshipped him. The women did. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Brothers, sisters, followers of him. Jesus had a focus on his followers and the relationships and how they were journeying through all this. The resurrection and belief in the resurrection deepens a disciple's relationship with Christ and the bond not only with him, but the bond one with another. It's always amazing to me how much happens in one week. I had a lot, I had a really full week because I had family in and a lot of things going on, a lot of different trips, that kind of deal. But it's like, oh, yeah, the NCAA was on Monday night. I, I watched about that, the finals for the men's uh, final tournament for basketball and, and then the women on the next night. And one of the things I've enjoyed about, uh, I enjoy about watching NCAA tourney, even though my team, our team, Sam, got beat, Wisconsin. And, um, I really wanted Wisconsin to win. At least Kentucky didn't win. That was good. <laughs> if you're from Indiana, you never want Kentucky to win. Just want you to know that. But the bond that you see players have with their coach and the coach with players, win or lose, you see it in their eyes. They've been on a journey. Many of them 
for a long time, some of them at college for four years, and it's done. It's done. And so you see the emotions. It's more than a game. They're not getting played to win this game like the NBA players are, right? And maybe you've been on teams. And whether it's a sports team or maybe it's an experience of a short-term mission trip or maybe it's some other activity you took on in life, and there was this brotherhood, this sisterhood bond that came about, doesn't get better than that kind of thing. There's endearment in it. This journey of the resurrection didn't bring to an end. It brought about a new day for the relationship and bond that you can have with Jesus Christ and with one another. The reasons I encourage, hey, get in a small group, that kind of thing, is because I want you to experience life on a journey together. Men, I enjoy our time on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. My oldest son still goes, why in the world do you meet at 7 a.m.? Well, you live in college. They live in the real world, buddy. And so we come (laughs) and we gather together. And I want you to know that there's some bond and some thing that's starting to happen with us men, just sort of week in and week out, just sharing together. And sharing not only in Scripture, but sharing about Jesus, being a follower of his. We looked at some of the Acts chapter 1 this last week. And I trust that's true in your life, missional community. Some of you ladies meet together and that kind of thing. It's because we weren't made to be solo operators in life. And the adversary will push us into isolation. You saw that with the scattering of the disciples after the crucifixion. Then they start to come back together. How many of you would like to have been in that, in that room with Thomas and them? Wouldn't that have been a neat experience? Well, guess what? Those experiences are still going on. We're still his disciples. It's just 2,000 years later. And the same resurrected Jesus would say this to you. He says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and I'll meet them there. Jesus wants to meet with you. And many times he meets with you in the midst of community in some rich ways. So the strength of our resolve and our courage, the inner core happens with belief in the resurrection. The belief in the resurrection rallies us together as a community and a body of people. And thirdly, I want to say this. The resurrection restores a disciple's calling and assignment. One of the stories, and it will be portrayed on the AD um, uh, um, uh, series tonight, is the restoration of Peter. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus, they go back to Galilee. Jesus calls for Peter. He comes off in a comfortable area. He, remember, the last time Jesus talked to Peter was in the Garden of Gethsemane when Peter whacked off the soldier's ear. And Jesus said, Peter, give me the ear. He puts the ear back on, right? He sees Peter deny him three times, and then the cock crows. So they've maybe not really had this interaction, this connection yet. And so in a personal way. So he meets Peter and he asks Peter, you know the story, three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Was Jesus having a hard time getting the answer out of him? No, I believe Jesus was allowing Peter to be fully restored, asking him three times, do you love me? Because he denied him three times. Do you love me? So you find this verse. You find this verse listed, just a simple verse. John 21, 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, Peter, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? 
He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said what? Feed my sheep. He didn't pat him on the head and go, oh, it'll be all right. We're still friends. You know, we'll see each other around. You know, look forward to seeing in heaven. No. He restored him to his calling and his assignment. His calling and assignment. And not only just Peter, but then we do roll into the book of Acts. And what do you find in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we find these words. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Many convincing proofs that he was alive. Interesting it puts it that way. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it goes on. Next. I think I have next. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The resurrection restores a disciple's calling and assignment. There would be no A.D. series if that command had not been given and the disciples had not obeyed the calling and the assignment before them. But they took off. They took off to the ends of the world. Thomas himself is said probably one of the first people that really maybe the only ones to go outside the Roman Empire. He went to India, it's believed. And what were they doing in India and the other places, the Mediterranean Sea area, they were giving witness to the power of the resurrection. They were being witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what were they being witnesses to? You know, we met this really nice guy and we walked with him for three years and we did some pretty cool things and he did miracles and, and uh, you know, he was potential to be the Messiah and that kind of thing. No. That might have been a part of their story. But their story was... We are followers of Jesus Christ and he rose from the dead and he can change your life too. They were witnesses to the resurrection. Witnesses to the resurrection. That's why I'm starting to refer to Jesus now. You say, hey, there's Jesus Christ. There's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, born of the Virgin Mary. I like the phrase these days of just simply say, I'm a follower of the resurrected Jesus. Because it's putting it right front and center, my belief that this is not a legend, this is not a historical figure, this is not a nice little teacher that existed 2,000 years ago. This is one who faced death, rose from the grave, he's alive, I'm a follower of the resurrected Jesus. And for me, the reason to camp and park here another day, the week following Easter, is not because, oh, it ties in the video clip, that kind of, no, we as a church, you as an individual believer or as an individual seeker need to become gripped with what the resurrection should be doing in your life. And so we've listed three things. The resurrection does these three things. The resurrection strengthens resolve and courage. It deepens relationship and bond. It restores calling and assignment. And can I add a fourth? The resurrection assures a victorious living and eternal life. And then with the verse... John 11:25 I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die 
Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Is the resurrection mere entertainment for you or does it propel you forward in life? Will you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed here this morning, I'm mindful that this question of do you believe is a question again that each of us have to answer. I was encouraged last week at some people come up to me afterwards saying a prayed at prayer, a commitment to follow Christ. One, I want to be baptized along with some of my family members. I want to just simply ask you as we pray and before we have our concluding song, do you believe? And this question goes two ways. If you're a seeker here this morning, and you've never crossed the line of faith. Do you believe in the resurrection? That Jesus is the one who came to give life? That he can give a victorious life today as well as an eternal life forever? You see, there is no way to enter the kingdom of God unless you believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I firmly believe that. And if you've never made that profession of faith, you can, in a simple prayer, just make that profession of faith where you're at. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and that you've been raised from the dead. Yes, I believe. Help my unbelief, as the father of a sick son said also in Scripture. I believe. Help my unbelief, he said. But in some small way, a mustard seed of faith. Yes, I believe. Have you invited Christ into your life? And then for a second group of people, maybe it's those of us who have believed in the resurrection, but we've never allowed the resurrection to build a core of our being that makes us dangerous people in a sin-forsaken, spiritually needy world. You're just sort of going along for the ride as a spectator. It's sort of a little bit of entertainment to you. Yeah, you made a profession of faith because you wanted your sins forgiven and you wanted to make sure that you got into heaven someday, but you've never really been emboldened as a disciple with the power of the resurrection to be on mission, fully alive in Christ and to his mission is our mission statement. And it means that there's obedience Yes, on the moral things and the character building things, but it's obedience to the calling and the assignment that God's given you. And if you're honest, you want to, but you're a weak person. And you need to have belief in the power of the resurrection for your personal life happen anew. So whether you're a seeker or whether you're a longtime believer, I want to pray for each of you this morning that the power of the resurrection would come and strengthen your very inner being. Lord, today, for those who have never crossed the line of faith, that maybe they're hearing the story afresh and anew, investigating it afresh and anew their life, I pray if they're at a place to lay down control of their life, repent of their sins, and turn from an indifference or even a rebellious attitude towards you, and turn towards you by faith, placing their belief in you to follow you as the resurrected Jesus. If they're at that place this morning, may they just, in the core of their being, have a simple prayer of surrender that simply says, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life as the risen Lord 
and may I live for you. And then those of us, Lord, myself included, who sometimes get a little wobbly in our confidence and our courage and our resolve because the power of the resurrection isn't as real to us as it should be. I pray for each person in that camp today that would just simply say this, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. I need to see your hands and your side, and I don't know how that happens, but I need the power of the resurrection and your presence renewed, front and center, from this day forward to do as you've called me to do. Refresh my awareness of your presence in my life. And Lord, quicken me with your power to do obediently what you've called me to do, personally in my family and on the mission you put me on. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's sing this last song together, the idea of forever and being with him. On the back of your communication card is a place, marking a place that if you want to, if you made some commitment to Christ today, never hesitate to mark that. Turn those in. We want to follow up and be encouragement to you. But let's sing this closing song together as the ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards.